モーニングプロジェクトプレゼンツ Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the nichiest podcast ever. Sometimes we are the nichiest podcast ever. Sometimes we do live up to our name. Sometimes I don't know if we live up to that. There may be nichier ones out there.、Uh, if there are, let us know so that we can sabotage them in some way <laughs> to make sure that we are indeed the nichiest podcast ever. I am one of your three hosts, Shidoshi, and with me, as always, are my two better halves, the first of which is Anne. Hello, Anne. Hello. And Brian. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Hello. So it has been, I think, I think this has been the intro for every show we've done recently.、Um, but I think it has been a while. Let me check my little iTunes changed everything. So I have to like, actually look for podcasts now. It's kind of hard. And, and of course, is it broken? No. It's broken. <laughs> oh, no. iTunes. I want to see like, when our last episode was. I don't know. Do you guys remember when it was? I don't. It's been a while. I just had a. I was just looking at the website earlier today. I think it was June or July. <laughs> like, it can't have been. Oh, was it? Has it been actually that long?、Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe、I、I'm wrong.、So. No, no, I think, I think you are right.、Um, <laughs> it was July. It was the 4th July when it came out, yes. Oh, wow. So patriotic. Wow. <laughs> And it's the 4th、yeah, of so, November. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, so, so, so the problem basically was like, I know August for me was PAX and something else. And then, of course, September, I spent two weeks in Japan,、uh, part of which was going to TGS. And then October just was October. And I think, I think Anne, you were somewhere for a little while. Yeah, I went to a conference last、yes. week, so we had to push back again. <laughs>、uh, so, it's, it's, so, and we, we, we decided was. The absolute、uh, easiest, clearest, most stress free time for us to record was right as the two biggest holidays of the year <laughs> start. So that makes perfect sense. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny because, yes, because for, for people like us,、uh, the holidays are actually easier to get through than, than like E3 time or convention time. Because <laughs> at least for me, December is when no more games come out, so I don't have to play anything. <laughs> and then I have two weeks of when there's no news, which is even nicer. So、um, I will talk about Japan a little bit, but before I get to that, I'll ask you guys what you've been doing. So, Anne, you mentioned a convention, or I'm sorry, a conference. Yes, no、what、conventions kind- for me. It was an academic conference about manga. <laughs> So, we, 
I went down to Wollongong, which is about an hour and a half away from Sydney, and they had people from all over the world, including Takemiya Keiko, which may be familiar to you or some listeners. She's a very, very famous uh, manga artist, and she wrote what is largely regarded as the first Shonen OI series. So... That was really exciting. I got to get her signature and a photo with her, and I kind of had a fangirly moment. But I didn't actually present anything. I was just there to listen and participate in a postgraduate workshop. Are you, are you going to name the series that she did? It's called Kaze to Kino Uta, and it was never <laughs> available in English. So if, if you've heard of her, it's probably because she's just sort of a big name for starting Shonen I and which has, of course, evolved into the BL genre, which is what I'm studying. So. I think, um, I, I know uh, Tor de Terra. Yep, yep, that's her too, yeah. Did. And that is available list. in English, actually. Yeah. And that's, that's really all of her work I, I know, I think. Yeah, most of her really famous stuff is from that sort of 70s period, (laughs) and a lot of it isn't available or out of print now, and she's kind of moved into more essay-style manga. She's actually now the president of Kyoto Seika University, (laughs) so (laughs) she's been a professor there uh, teaching manga studies for quite a while now, and I think she even helped found their... um, manga studies department which is the first of its kind in the world but yeah just this year they made her president so i'm sure she's too busy to be drawing manga at this point are you one of those people now who you talk about manga more than you read it yes yes (laughs) (laughs) in fact i'm so sick of thinking about manga that when i have free time and i'm not writing my thesis i am not reading manga (laughs) i'm usually (laughs) playing games (laughs) Yeah, um, I I I've been I've been horribly backlogged on my manga reading, and I finally just recently got through the end of uh, Horo Musuko, which, oh. is, which is Wandering Sun over here in English. Uh, which oh, that was so hard to get through. But um, I yeah, it's it's I I I love I mean I I love manga. I think I love manga way more than I do anime, and I I appreciate. Like Horo, it's 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 tough for me because uh, Horo Wandering Sun ended up being I think it was fifteen chapters in the end or fifteen volumes, and part of me like really appreciates when they do that and don't just go like the Naruto or One Piece length, um, you know that point where it's like eight hundred volumes and you could just never catch up to it if if you even tried, um. But it was really sad for like it to end, and and unfortunately, it kind of ended. I think in one of those ways where you feel like somebody walked up to the artist and was like, "Okay, you're 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 ending this in like two chapters, so find a way to end it soon." Like that's how it felt. So mm. it was kind of bittersweet to me. But I I I don't know. I mean, like, do you are you are you more a fan of the kind of series that that you know? really get meaty and kind of go on for a long time or are you a fan of the shorter kind of more contained stuff yeah i would say i'm definitely on the shorter more contained narrative side of things i just can't afford to keep up with a long series or have the shelf space and i love buying physical manga i won't buy digitally so um Mm. 
Yeah, I just don't do that. Even Kaze Toki no Uta, the song of wind and trees, is um, uh, tens of... I think it's nearly 20-ish volumes, and I don't even own the whole thing. I've read the first few volumes, and it's just, you know, <laughs> thinking about getting that many volumes of one series is depressing. So <laughs> um, I, generally these days I'm gravitating towards shorter things. Like I, I don't even start longer series, except for I'm reading Wandering Sun, but luckily my library gets that, so I check mm. it out from them whenever they get it in. And, That's cool. Uh, yeah, so yeah, a lot of my not ever since I got good enough in Japanese that I can read manga in Japanese, I pr- usually buy it in Japan when I'm there. And yeah, I, I was going to say because the thing is, for people who have been in Japan, um, there's a few nice things. First, first of all, manga's cheap already when you go buy like you buy the entire book for like four or five bucks or whatever. Um, but then, like they they have a really amazing. Uh, used market for manga and you can go in these stores and find some for like a dollar a piece or whatever and and sometimes you'll go in and i've you know i've seen like the dragon ball or the one piece whatever uh collections where they have just like 50 volumes all like shrink wrapped together mm-hmm. in one gigantic bundle and, <laughs> and yeah so i mean it's it's you it's it's cheap to get in it's also very easy to get it because there's just so many stores that are offering it up yeah yeah but so for my English stuff, I'm just getting whatever the library has. So lots of random things from whatever they happen, which I think they just follow the New York Times bestsellers and get like <laughs> the top three every couple of months or something. That's what it seems like. So they have a ton of this. Um, there's an Otome game called Alice in the Country of Heart, and they did a whole mm. bunch of manga adaptations and spinoffs. Like, of course, because it's an Otome game, you've got all the different guys. So there's like a subseries, you know, dedicated to each guy. And so they have tons of volumes of this series <laughs> at the library. So I've been reading some of that and just odds and ends mostly, aside from what I'm doing for my thesis. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I haven't kept up with like the american side of manga as much recently um so i'm kind of curious to like i don't i don't know how well it's doing because you know i mean we're so when 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 did you leave the states in 2010 okay so you were around for that gigantic manga boom that happened here yeah 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 because it was i mean you know for somebody like like i don't know how long you've been into that stuff but i've been into it for god like so many way too many years now um you know between back before anime was really over here you know we had manga first and i remember that period where just like you'd go to barnes and noble or 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 borders or whatever and what had been one little shelf tucked away somewhere of of you know english language manga was now an entire shelf and then there was two shelves and then there was four (laughs) shelves and there was eight shelves and it was just crazy and like there were so many companies doing that stuff and you know, I, I I think that it went through maybe not as bad of a bust as the anime market did, but like I I wonder, you know, how how healthy it still is because I I I think it's awesome when we get a lot of that stuff over here, but you know, y- you know this when you go to Japan, you just see there's just so much over there, and yeah. there's just so many options, and it's way way more than than anime, you know, because there's how much cheaper it is to to produce. And it's just so, it's got to be so scary trying to figure out which ones to try to bring over here. 
because there are just so many options to choose from and and you just never know you know which one's going to catch on with people or not yeah yeah one of the big themes of the conference that i was just at was how manga sales worldwide are going down even in japan um physical mm. manga aren't aren't selling like they used to so and it can get into how it's a whole thing where that you know japanese companies are a bit old-fashioned and they don't want to change their business models oh, yeah. where it's clear that sort of things like fan Fan distribution and fan works are really on the rise, like Dojinshi, and you've got Kamiket where people are selling their fan-made stuff, which is, that's totally <laughs> doing very well, but it's the mainstream market that's not doing as well. So we'll see where they go. I know a lot of companies, you know, are offering more stuff digitally now, which hopefully will help. It's, it's frustrating, though, because that's one of the most frustrating parts for me about being a fan of anything Japanese, is their corporate strategies can be just so backwards mm. so often and i mean i i think it was was it viz when they first announced they were going to do uh uh shonen jump in on digital digitally like the english version yeah um i think it was the thing where like even though you were buying it your issues expired after a year or something like that <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I I talk to them like, why why are you doing this? You know, and they're like, well, that's just the way the things need to work, and we really don't think it's a big deal because you know we're not expecting people are going to want to go back and read them afterwards. But like just stupid things like that, you know, and or the services where you buy your manga, but it's just being viewed through a website. You're not actually downloading anything. You can't have it offline and stuff. And it's 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 really frustrating. And and I I wish. I wish they would, you know, really embrace the digital market and understand they have to do things to kind of come, you know, combat the fan sub, fan translation side. Because when I can go on a website and just download all these titles in English for free and put them on my little iPad and read them anywhere I want, you know, that's just so convenient that the legal ways to do that are so inconvenient and so expensive that just it just it's not right you know to just mm. download them but you yeah. can understand why people would do that yeah it's uh, i think it's like the same thing that happened with the music industry right and before itunes really took over now people will buy through itunes instead of downloading illegally because it's so easy and quite cheap to get you know right. whatever song you want so hopefully manga will catch up we'll see but i'm sure brian is probably <laughs> falling asleep with all this manga <laughs> <over there. laughs> no do you, you read, read any as I was, uh, yeah, that, yeah do you read any manga i don't i'm not sure why either um I think I just, at the moment, you know, my, um, I only have so much like time and, and mental capacity for various hobbies. And so video games kind of takes over that portion of what would be my like entertainment hobby. Um, I think if I were to be interested in any of it, it would be manga and not anime, but, um, no, I like, I have no experience with either of them, which is kind mm. of sad. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think there's a lot of manga you might enjoy. I mean, it's it's always weird. I mean, like I have a love hate relationship with manga because I always find myself reading all these stories, you know, about like the the girl who's getting tortured in school and and these these love triangles where 
if people just actually spent five minutes talking to each other, <laughs> there would be no conflict and no drama in anything. And I always get so mad about, you know, all these kind of stories, but I still go back and read them for some reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just like, I mean, like, that's one thing I love. There's just there's so much variety out there, I think, versus anime where, you know, you have to really pick things that are going to catch on and have a market and can sell DVDs and stuff. You can just do all these crazy little things with manga. Um, so it just ends up being more interesting to me, I think. Yeah. So, uh, but, but what are, what are you doing <laughs> lately, Brian? Uh, well, nothing as exciting or as like relevant as what Anne's doing. Um, uh, one thing I've been doing that's been keeping me busy and kind of frying my brain is that I started, a certificate program here. Um, it's like a once a week, you know, three hours in the evening, um, then I have homework and it's lasting for nine months. So, uh, I think I'm six weeks in now. <laughs> so, um, wow. for some reason you, I, I have much respect for people who go back to school in a much more, um, full-time capacity than I am. Cause just, uh, having one night of doing that, um, I don't know. I'm finding that like, uh, you know, along with working all day, I'm so happy when it's not Wednesday. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't have to go to class tonight. I can stay home. I don't have to, you know. Um, so anyway, so that's been keeping me busy. Um, and then strangely too, another like aside thing. Um, for some reason, my husband and I and a friend have been playing tennis indoors every week on Monday. So it's like Monday is busy and Wednesday is busy. Um, so I don't know. For some reason, I'm completely fried at the moment. But I mean, that's that's better than just like kind of sitting at home not doing anything, though, right? I guess. I think I'd rather sit at home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like I don't stay active or anything, but uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I have to bus to class, you know, on Wednesday, and that takes an hour, and uh, I don't know. Mm. It's totally first world problems. <laughs> um, but at least, so so what what is the class for? It is for the thrilling subject, and I shouldn't say this because I'm going to offend someone, uh, technical writing. Um, I'm, hmm. I'm just kind of trying to expand my horizons as a writer. Uh, and I will say it's interesting, um, but it's just that there, like, I don't know about other cities, but in Seattle there are so many technical writing jobs. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, the majority of writing jobs here are tend to, I think it's because of Microsoft and the software industry um, so I just thought I, you know, I had heard good things about UW Seattle's certificate program. And so I decided at the very least, you know, I would uh, kind of expand my abilities as a writer, but if it helps me get a job down the road, that would be fine too. Which, you know, by the way, speaking of Seattle, yeah, I was there recently <laughs> <laughs> for a little event called Pax Prime 2014. And a certain somebody whose name I won't mention <laughs> uh, uh, said that they would meet me because we had never met before in real life. And they promised we would meet up on uh, one of the days of the convention. And strangely enough, they never showed up. Hey, no. And, and I was very sad. In my defense, we never did actually like set up. We You never got back to me about like a day or time, but I will. I think I, uh, I think I talked to you about it being Saturday. Thank you very much. You, is that the day that yes. I was there? That was the day you were there, so we had made plans to meet up. But not any, not at any time or place. 
you knew where I was at. I was at the diversity lounge. But this is this is not just too uh, bad mouth. <laughs> I well, mean, it is it is it is a little bit. I but, will um, say I will say it is definitely my fault. It has nothing to do with you. Um, I don't know. So did our last podcast was before PAX? It, must it have, was. I thought we talked about this already. I must have just talked about it online. Um, yeah, it was, uh, for some reason, it was an overwhelming experience for me. Um, possibly because I went there alone. I don't know. You know, uh, experiences like that really aren't my thing, and I should have known that. But I wanted to because it's gaming related. But I don't know. I kind of, like, freaked out. It, it just was that, was that Was that your first time going to one? Yes. Yeah, I I can I mean it's um it like on one hand it's really nice because you, you do you do know that like you're around people who are in the same kind of dumb dorky things that you are into. Yeah. You know, so there is that part, but there's so many people. Yeah. That, yeah, and it's weird. I mean, like I'm sure lots of us have this um in us, but you know, I I'm a fairly friendly social person when I know people, but uh mm-hmm. when I don't, I you know, I can be a bit on the shy side and kind of like walking into this huge venue with thousands of people. Right. I was like, okay. And it, like my immediate reaction was, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> I'm not going to stay here. <laughs> but then I forced myself to stay for a few hours. But even then I think I was kind of a zombie. And when I, later on I was, I realized some of the things I had missed. Cause you know, I, I walked around everywhere, but it was so huge that I didn't quite know what I was doing. And anyway, so I, that kind of played in on it. <laughs> And I'm sorry about that. And, and it's, it's that's I mean like I I really do think that you should try it again to see. And I mean maybe maybe it isn't the kind of thing for you because I know people are you know are like that. And I have kind of a lot of these social issues where I do get freaked out sometimes. But for some reason like I don't at PAX, and yeah. I just love it because there's like there's just so many things going on. And you know, at worst you go and you just go to a panel and sit in panels the entire time. You know and. And you don't really talk to anybody. You don't socialize with anybody. You just sit there and like listen to people, you know, doing their talks and stuff. And yeah. so there's like just so many things to do that I do think that maybe next, especially you know maybe if you have somebody you can go with. Yeah, I think that would be better um, for me because I when I was a teenager, I actually went to one of the consumer electronics shows and I loved it. But I was with people. Um, if only if only you had known somebody on a <laughs> podcast. That you do well, that was you, at PAX. You were you not going to be able with. to walk around with me. You were busy on your own. I, you don't know that. You never showed up. <laughs> By the way, I do remember I specifically was going to go to your panel, but then I got there late and I didn't, you know, I was embarrassed. I was late. I didn't really know where it was. So then that, that started me off on the wrong foot. But I did actually intend mm. to go to your panel. Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you'll just but I said I, <clears throat> I think the Seattle PAX is kind of a more chaotic thing because it's just a terrible venue for doing a show that big. But it's it's still a fun time, and like I said, if I, I think that you should give another try next year. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I feel bad because with the cost of the ticket, I mean that was a costly. Uh, Short trip for you. Actually, though, uh, since I left early, I was able to sell it to someone. I don't know if that's okay. kosher, but um, I did fine. It, did, it was fine with me. And that, and I knew that going in anyway. I mean, it would be my problem if I lost everything. But, um, yeah, and also, I mean, I will say one thing, too, is that, you know, I'm sure anyone who knows 
knows me from from this podcast or from my blog and that I have like all of us but like I have some interesting tastes in games and in some of the stuff that shows up at a big event like this isn't always my cup of tea and I know I could you know expand my horizons but like I'm usually not willing to stand in line for an hour for I'm trying to you know some really mainstream uh first person shooter or something so I think that kind of was uh overwhelming but, for me too I'm like, but the devil's advocate is yes there are a lot of indie booths there, there were are indie sections um there are game areas where you can actually just go and, and, and borrow games for free and sit down and play them uh from like old systems and stuff and there are even panels about kind of japanese gaming stuff yeah so there but i i do i do yes like the main show floor with all the booths and everything that definitely is catered more towards the big triple a kind of games yeah but so. still but still so you should go okay i'll try one more time try, try it again try it again <laughs> <laughs> at the very least you and i will finally hopefully meet up and yes that will yes. happen we need to drag Anne there somehow yeah so. mm. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i spent two weeks in japan i had so the first week I went to Osaka because my um, host sister-in-law, I don't know if that's the right words, uh, my host family's sister, uh, she was getting married. And she perfectly planned it so that it was the week before TGS. <laughs> so I went to Osaka for a week and then I went down to Tokyo, or up to Tokyo, I should say, uh, for the second week to do TGS. And I, I love Osaka. I love Osaka way more than Tokyo. Um, so it was really nice for me to get back there. And I did do a little bit of shopping. I bought a PSP Go because that makes perfect sense in 2014. <laughs> the most modern of Sony handhelds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, it's, you know what, I'll, I'm just going to be honest. I'm putting emulators and stuff on it. So that's what I wanted it for. And that's... <laughs> It's the PSP with the best looking screen, and I wanted to just kind of try it anyway, you know, and stuff. So that was cool, and I, I didn't really buy a whole lot of games. I just kind of more just hung out with, you know, saw friends and, and saw family and things like that. And then TGS, like, I always love going to TGS because it's just a, a different show. It's it's a harder... Now, Anne, have you ever been to TGS? No, I haven't been yet. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird, especially if you've ever gone to like E3 or something, because TGS closes very early every day. Hmm. And at least I feel like it closes early. And what they do is they have two days that are that are media days. And those are the days where you can kind of get something done. And then the next two days are public days, which is when you're not going to get anything done <laughs> because there's just too many people. But... I went there three, three, the three, the four days, and saw a lot of games, talked to some people, and I went to the Otome section, Ooh. which <laughs> last year, so last year the Otome section was this, this, this really like if you go to the mall and there's like a little kiosk in the middle of the mall hall, you know, it's kind of like a, just a couple of little kiosks there, and there were two very well-dressed Japanese gentleman that you could sit down with on a bench and take a picture. So that was last year. This year, it was totally different. It was like this this much bigger area. 
and they had themed picture taking areas so one of the one of the places was there were two white gentlemen <laughs> very well dressed so if you wanted to if you wanted to get your photo taken with the handsome foreigners you could sit down with them and get your picture taken um there was the Cabedon section, which for people who don't know, this is the kind of the, the, the trope in anime and manga and Japanese dramas and things like that, where the kind of the girl is, you know, leaning back against the wall and the guy kind of leans in towards her and, and slams his hand against the wall, like next to her, <laughs> uh, you know, for, forcefully yet, yet sensually kind of whatever. Um, and so you, you could you could you could stand against the wall and, and have a guy do that to you <laughs> to to get the excitement from that. Uh, and there was something else. I don't know what was going on, but there was a, like a giant cage you could get into with guys. I don't know what that was. But the one I went to was, and I'm gonna space off on the term, so I'm sure Anne can help me out here. It's when women dress up as men. Mm, well, mm, well, you know, Takarazuka is called otokoyaku, but I don't know if there's another term used more commonly. Yeah, I think there's. I think there. I don't. I think there's another term, and I can't remember. I don't what know. It is. <laughs> but so, <laughs> so, know. so yeah. So if you think of like if if you think of like the really pretty Japanese men, you know, and they're really nice dressed in suits and everything, and they have the Final Fantasy hairstyles and stuff, you know, um. If think about like the guys from was it Final Fantasy fifteen now, you know? Like those kind of guys, but but it's girls being those kind of guys. And so I get in line for this and and it's it's my turn next, and so the girl takes my hand and like walks me over to the bed and we sit down on a bed together. Because <laughs> they had like brought like a a bed and put it in their booth. And she's asking me about uh, just, you know, where I'm from, like I'm from, you know, Los Angeles and and asking if I can speak Japanese and stuff like that and everything. And then she says, you know, are you ready? And I uh, don't know. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> first, 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 she says she's, she's in English in this in broken English. She's like, do you like boys love? <laughs> and, <laughs> which which is 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 a weird question to ask, because, I mean, ma- the majority of the customers she was getting were, were female, so it's it's kind of a weird question to be asking all the people that come over. But um, I was like, <laughs> I, I said, "Well, I have a f- I have a friend who's really really into it." <laughs> um, I said, "But I'm, I'm more into like kind of like what you guys are doing here, you know." And then she says, "Like, are you ready?" And I say, "Yes." And then so she she puts her hand on my shoulder and she pushes me down onto the bed, so I'm laying on the bed. And then she crawls on top of me, like looking me right in the face. And then she's like, do you love me in English? And I'm like, yes, yes, I love you. And then, <laughs> and then so, so she gets back up and then she, she pulls me up and then we take a photo together. And so <laughs> so the, the, the whole thing basically was like she was like trying to um, like I, the Japanese word, of course, is like, you know, doki doki, you know, like to get that really like that that kind of panicked, but kind of excited, but kind of not sure what's going to happen next kind of, uh, you know, craziness going on inside you, you know. So it was just so funny to watch because she would do this to, like, all these, they, the 
the, the the gals who were there would do this to all these other Japanese women who come and you know they they'd pull them back up off the bed and they'd be like totally red in the face <laughs> and and giggling and everything and, and stuff and so it was it was just like a silly little booth but they had all these kind of like thematic booths like that doing those kind of things <laughs> to promote their games of course wow gosh <laughs> that sounds exciting <laughs> yes it was it was a lot of fun and i i felt i i was mad because i didn't know there was the kabe dome area i totally <laughs> would have done that one too um but I didn't find out until afterwards they were doing that. So you didn't want to do the gaijin one, the foreigners. <laughs> no, I I I thought about it a little bit, but then I'm like, ah, you know, I I get enough of them yeah. anyway back home. So I don't. Do you don't know if them. they were speaking in English or Japanese? Is the f- appeal that they were like they were they from what I could from what I heard just in my short time of watching them they were speaking English. Oh, okay. So it is the foreign total foreign guy. Yeah, sort of. Thing. I, I think that I think that was part of the charm. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if they could speak Japanese or not, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel like they might have been like Australian or something. <laughs> of course, <laughs> so they like flew, they flew down to you guys and picked two of you up and <laughs> took you back, you know, or something like that. Um, but I so I don't know why I'm saying that, but yeah, it was so it was like the two guys, and I can't remember the 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 company that ran the booth that I did my thing at. They do a lot of iPhone Otome games, mm-hmm. and they and they have some that are in English too. Is it Voltage? They're the Voltage, really yep. big one. I, yep, I knew it was a V something. <laughs> so that, that that that's who it was. Uh, yep. So very jealous. So that that was I mean like TGS is a lot of fun. It's it's I don't know that it's always the best place to go for exciting video game news. But there's just always, like, interesting things going on. There's all the cosplay. It's the one really good chance to kind of sit down and talk to to developers and stuff. And, you know, now I went to the announcement of the new uh, Clock Tower. Oh, yeah. Uh, not, not Clock Tower game, but it's, like, the Inspired by Clock Tower. And it's the – I'm spacing on his name, but it's the original director of the first couple Clock Tower games – and then it was also the movie director, the Japanese movie director of The Grudge was there. So I got to talk to both of them and like meet them and just kind of hang out and everything. So that was really cool. And I talked to, you know, some other developers and stuff. And that's always fun. So, yeah, it's a TGS. I, I always like TGS. And so, it's, you know, it's always a nice chance to go back to Japan and just kind of have a little bit of like Japan's like nice to me. At this point, because that's my real vacation, even though I'm, even though I'm going there for work, it's like I can just forget America exists for like a week, <laughs> you know, and do as much as I can to not read email or read texts or tweets or Facebooks or anything like that and just kind of have fun and, you know, be away from all that stuff. So, but... We're not here for all that. We're <laughs> here to talk about niche video games, which I guess some of that some of that connects to. But you know, yeah. I wanted to first bring up, and I know this is at this point it's a little bit old, but this is something very near and dear to my heart, and I this brings a day I never thought I would see come. So think it was last last year's e3 and i want to say his name is sean layton 
the new head of Sony Computer Entertainment America, he came out and he was talking about Vibribbon. And he's like, oh, back in the day, I worked at Sony Europe and I loved Vibribbon and I and I helped bring Vibribbon over and we sold Vibribbon. And, and mm-hmm. I'm like, this is this is cruel because we've never gotten Vibribbon in America. This was a game from Nanaunsha who also worked on things like Prop of the Rapper. And it was this kind of crazy little like vector drawn game. Uh, very simple, like black and white graphics. And it had, I want to say, five five or six songs in the game. But then you could take the CD out and put your own music CD in. And then it would generate these stages based on your music. And so it was a little kind of music-based side-scrolling platformer of sorts. And I had it back in the, the PlayStation era. That's what it was for, original PlayStation and I had the Japanese version, but um, Europe got a translated version, but we, we here in America never, ever got this game. So it's like 14 years later after the game's come out, and this, this Sean Layton guy's up on stage, and he's talking about Vibribbon, Vibribbon, and I'm like, you know, this is, this is kind of cruel because we've never gotten this game, and he keeps talking about it. And then later in, like, a official Sony blog post that they talked about Vibribbon, and then in, he did the Ice Bucket Challenge, and he wore, like, a Vibberman T-shirt, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, you guys. Like, you're just, like, stabbing us over and over again in the heart with this knife, you know, the fact that we never got this. And I think enough people, because he said this when, when the announcement was made, he's like, you know, a lot of you guys, you know, made it very clear to me how cruel you thought we were being talking about this game. And he's like, I, I was just saying because I loved it, but... You know, it is fair the fact that you guys never got this. So they finally, after 15 years, brought Vibribbon to America via digital downloads. So if you have never played it, you can get it. It's on the PS3. It's on the Vita. And if you still have them, you can play on your PSP as well. Um, it's just this wonderful little game. I think, you know, it's like whatever it is, like $6 or something like that now. Uh and it's just funny because, you know, in recent years, I've gotten all these games that finally that I never thought we'd get. You know, we got the the version of Persona 2 that, that we never had. We got, you know, um, Soul Hackers and something else recently that we got. And then now finally we got Vibribbon. So I was totally happy we got this. And um, have either of you ever played this at all? I had not played it until it came out, and I bought it. Oh, <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. I don't know why I never got around to importing it or anything, but yeah, I certainly knew about it. But yeah, I never played it. So, what do you, what do you think of it? I like it, but I'm very bad at it. I'm I'm horrible <laughs> at, at at rhythm games, and it took me quite a while to get used to what button I should be pressing for what you know the little obstacles on the screen, and just watching him like. If you don't push the button in time or push the wrong run and you don't, you know, traverse the obstacle, it, like, makes this weird noise and he gets all yeah. scratchy looking and that, like, makes me really <laughs> upset. And so, oh, no, you know, <laughs> it's like, really stressful. <laughs> but, yeah, it's cute. I really, the music's really nice. I haven't actually tried putting in my own CDs yet, but I would like to do that as well. <laughs> yeah, the, the, um, 
the game's not easy. Not at all. Uh, like the first stage isn't too bad, but then it, it gets hard pretty quick. And you know what the like the like it's it's a, a wrong comparison because it came out before this game, but the music kind of reminds me of like a Katamari Damacy. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's just this really weird Japanese kind of pop kind of electronica stuff kind of just soundtrack but soundtrack is so good i love the song so much and um if you play on ps3 they did actually find a figure out a way that you could put in your own music cds and and, and play them that way because that, that was like i said one of the main parts of the game but on the vita and psp obviously you can't put a CD in, so you do have to only play with the music that's in the game. Oh. Mm. I mean, the, everybody, you know, the hope is kind of like maybe one day we could have a new version that would work off MP3s or whatever. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, Brian, if you haven't played this, I don't know, I mean, are you are you much into rhythm games though? Oh yeah, and you know what, I'm like Anne. I have known about this for years, and it's been on my my to buy list forever, which is stupid because even the Japanese version. You know, a complete copy is like fifteen bucks on eBay. So I don't know why. Yeah, I it's, it's, it yet. it's cheap. Um, yeah. It's I've been meaning to because I love the aesthetic and I love rhythm games and I love the PlayStation. So yeah, I'll get it. Actually, so is there enough for people buying it uh, through the Vita? There's enough content on it that it's. I mean, I I the the thing is like I love that this the the songs that it comes with. Yeah, there aren't a lot though. So I mean, if if you get if you don't like those songs, if you get bored of them quickly, then that might be a problem. But like to me, I I love the soundtrack, so I have no problem just playing it. Yeah. For for that, you know, th- I think this this is one of those kind of games that I eh, that you you just kind of pick up one day and play it for a little while, and then come back to it, you know, months later and play it again for a little bit. Yeah. It's not the kind of like I'm going to sit down and play this for you know <laughs> a week in a row or or anything like that. It's, it's not not yeah. that kind of game. So it's just kind of like one of those fun little. Oh, that's right! I have Vib Ribbon on my PS Vita. I'll play that while sitting here in a doctor's waiting room or whatever. Yeah, kind of things. So yeah, it's great it's, that it's finally available, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was quite the tease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was like that's one of those games just that forever I've been so upset that we just never got it. And so it's it's nice that <clears throat> there is the option now for games like that to have a chance because I mean obviously they would never just release you know a disc of Viverman at this point. Yeah. And they're not going to do this gigantic PS4 remake or anything. So it's cool that we have this these services that you can do that. So mm-hmm. Um I think think let's see what we're gonna do next i'm gonna have one of you two talk about this this connected vita story <laughs> let ann take that one. <laughs> oh is that that's my story isn't it the connected yeah. vita. the um playstation tv as it's known in the u.s i guess i think it's called the ps vita tv in japan but they decided to it, get it rid was- of 
it was Vita TV before, but I think they now did change it to play. Oh, okay. Oh. They don't. They want to distance themselves as far as possible <laughs> from the Vita, I guess. Yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been kind of interested in this. So it's a little device, uh, very tiny thing, kind of like I've seen people compare it to the Apple TV, which I don't have, so I don't know. But um, and it can play cartridge Vita games as well as anything. Um, PlayStation 1, uh, PSP, or PS Vita games that are on your PSN account. So you just sign into your PSN account like you would on any other device and then connect it to your TV and use a PS3 or PS4 controller with it, I believe. I know for sure PS3. I I can't remember if it does PS4 as well or not. Oh, okay. That... It, might, it, it might, though. Okay. I don't remember. <laughs> but... I'm mostly interested in this as somebody that likes to maybe record gameplay footage and stuff like that. I think it's really cool because you can now finally have a way to get recordings of Vita games, which was pretty much impossible as far as I know before this. Um, As well as there happens to be a person in my house that doesn't really like using the Vita for whatever weird reason and would rather play (laughs) games on a television. So I think that's really good for that too. And I mean, just overall, like you can, uh, I think I just looked today, PlayAsia is offering it for $60. So for $60 to be able to play PS Vita games, you know, if you don't have a Vita, it's still a way to play Vita games. I think that's pretty awesome. But I think you do have to be careful, though, because I think the PSTV is region locked in is terms it? of what in terms of what accounts you can put onto it. Oh. Is it any different from how the Vita is, though? Yeah, I I just I, I have this I have this weird feeling that like if you buy a Japanese PlayStation TV. Like, you have to put a Japanese account onto it. Oh, well, yeah, that'd be worth looking into before you do that. I, I might be wrong, but I, I I swear I've heard some kind of, like, there's some kind of catch to the PSTV for what you can or can't do with it in mm. terms of something regionally. I, I think that, like, if you if you put, like, American games in there, I think they work fine. I think it's just the actual account that you put onto I it. I see. Problem. I oh. see. Well, in in terms of even Vita games, not all of them are compatible. Of course, you have some games that really utilize the touchscreen capabilities, which I think they like, uh, what is it called? Uh, I want to say Puppeteer, but it's not Puppeteer. um, Tearaway. 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 Yeah, there we go. Tearaway. That probably would be one that doesn't work <laughs> but which is getting which is getting an awesome ps4 version though yeah that's so. true that's true that's i think one of the other functions of the ps tv is that you can like stream ps4 to other televisions in your house or something yeah I, so yeah. i guess somebody might like that i don't have a ps4 so that's not so, so yeah so I, I guess you would have to be able to use a ps4 controller then yeah right oh, that would make sense so, there you go yeah. i think it yeah, and I'm pretty sure PS3 controllers are also available to use for it. Yeah, because it, it comes with a PS3 controller Okay. Yeah. if you buy the proper bundle. But, yeah, now that you remind me of the fact that it, it does do the streaming, I, I think it, PS4 controllers work as well. Mm. So and it, also does, it also does the PS Now streaming as well. So you can stream, like, the PS3 games from the PS Now rental service. Oh, Okay. So is this something that interests either of you or not really? 
I actually considered buying one because you know I've been I've been blabbing about getting a Vita forever, um, but I just decided that I'm going to do. I don't know. I've I'm still on the fence, but I'm just going to actually pick up a Vita because I would prefer to just have the handheld to take it anywhere. Um, I don't, you know, I prefer that to playing games on the TV at the moment, but I do think it's a cool device. I think, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll go that way, but for the price and everything, and even though it doesn't play everything, I looked over the list and I was like, oh, it plays almost everything I'd want to play. So I think it's kind of cool. Well, and and with that with that new pink and white Vita, like... you you can't just not get that one (laughs) that's in japan right yeah but every every good color is in japan (laughs) i know i think i did is that did it just come out yep yep because they they not like i I bitched okay no i bitched about for a long time they the first one was black and pink yeah which nobody wants oh right yeah (laughs) so then finally uh or no it's 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 not it's just about ready to come out because I know when I was over there, I saw the the model, but they hadn't. Yeah, it was it was like November thirteenth, something like that. So. Okay, aren't they? They're like branding it with some fashion magazine or something. I mean, I don't think there's any branding on the system, but I think the box or something has some sort of. There's a version you can get, um, the like the four women version or something. Okay, like that. okay. Uh, that that they they have a. Um, you know, for women, uh, they have a version that I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of what Japanese fashion magazines yeah. I know that it would be connected. I, I don't think it's none, no. I don't think it's them, but I, it's, um, I, I couldn't tell you. I just know I've seen the packaging for it. And at first I was like, what is that? But someone said it was a fashion magazine. Let's see. Uh, Fashion magazine. Which fashion magazine? Pouch's brand Mercury Duo. Is Mercury yes. Duo a ma- yes. is Mercury Duo a magazine? Okay. Well, okay, whatever it is. I know that's <laughs> Yes. So yeah, you get like a, a special branded cloth oh. to to clean the screen. Well, and I'm and you get a little that. pouch. So <laughs> But you you can also get it like just the basic pink and white Vita by itself. Okay. So I might have so my, to yes, do my, that. Next year when I go back to Japan, because the wonderful thing, like with my PSP Go, the wonderful thing about Japan is you can get used game systems that are in like just mm. perfect condition. So maybe next year when I go back to Japan, I can pick one of these up for a cheaper price. Mm. So If I'm willing to but, wait that long. Yeah. Oh, no, no. You, you shouldn't wait. You shouldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> but I already have one, so yeah. I, I can wait. But... I am I am interested in the, the PlayStation TV. I don't know why exactly, but um, I I do think and like you were saying, part of it is it's kind of interesting that I could you know do video capture and screen capturing and stuff like that. But I don't know that I want another box under my TV, and I don't know I would use the PS TV enough mm. to really justify it. Yeah, like like if it if it I think if it did. A lot more um, media kinds of things that you know that would be good, like like fully streaming stuff from my computer or things like that. Because I I think it doesn't even have Netflix on it. I think there are there are a few hmm. apps, maybe Netflix or Hulu. One of those I think is missing from it. Um, 
and you know because every one of my other consoles can do all that kind of stuff I just I don't I don't know how often I would use it and I I do I do love my Vita I just love kind of sitting there and playing it on the the beautiful OLED screen so I don't know how much I would use it yeah, that's kind of where I am right now, too. Like, it seems like a fun, neat device to have, but I don't know that I, well, I don't know that I really should be spending the money on it, you know? It seems like the kind yeah. of thing that you'd probably get it and fiddle around with it every once in a very great while, but not use it regularly. Yeah, it's one of those where, like, if, if somebody gave it to you, you'd love to have it. Yeah. But spending 100 bucks on that, you know, that, that's, 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 for me, that would be half of a Wii U. Mm. you know or that would be two major games for some system or something like that so yep what else do we have um i will i don't know what this means this last one that somebody put on the (laughs) note well oh is is it the the new the new new 3ds (laughs) okay i forgot that the new new 3ds had been announced since i think our last recording that's right yeah because i I, that's right we haven't talked about it yeah Yeah. i i i I used one too so we can yeah i thought that would be something like you know it's not exactly niche but they're niche games for the 3ds so why not talk about it we we were (laughs) a very 3ds podcast so yes so what 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 did you think of it i like it so my um full story my husband broke his (laughs) Limited edition Feet Rhythm TDS <laughs> XL. Uh, and so uh, since the new 3DS was coming out, I decided to import the LL version, which is the larger version. So we got the Monster Hunter 4G Limited Edition new 3DS LL. <laughs> and um, it's quite nice compared to my old Animal Crossing XL uh, I thought it was a lot lighter and more ergonomic, which was probably the part that I liked the best. The nub is a bit weird. I don't really... The nub is very weird. I don't... Yeah. I I mean, play, everybody says, oh, it'll be great for playing Monster Hunter, but I'm so used to playing Monster Hunter without a circle pad or the nub or anything that I found myself wanting to just go back to my old habit of occasionally touching the um there's like a, a digital um directional pad on the touch screen that you can use and so i just kind of tap it with my finger and so i actually will do that instead of using the nub because i'm so used to it but it might be useful for people who aren't acclimated to playing the game the old way but overall yeah it just seems like a lot sleeker like it really does feel like an upgrade even though i don't know how necessary it is for people that are happy with their current system. It seems. Well, wait, wait, wait. wait let's wait, let's go back a second because oh. <laughs> I don't know everybody. I don't know everybody knows what the nub even is. Oh, okay. I figured everybody would know by now. <laughs> so. Well, just 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 to be safe, just to be safe. So, what is what is the nub? The nub is um, <laughs> instead of adding a second circle pad to control like the camera or whatever on the right hand side of the system, they have a little nub-like thing that that a lot of people are comparing to the sort of uh, cursor nub that old, what, IBM computers used to have. Yeah. So you can use that for in Monster Hunter to control the camera. Um, it's located sort of 
above a little bit like northwest of the <laughs> of the face buttons on the right hand side and so it's very tiny and you can kind of while you're playing a game bring your finger up to the nub to control the camera but it just it's it's interesting to use it in conjunction with the circle pad because the circle pad feels quite loose in terms of movement and then you've got this hard little nub that you it, it just feels totally different. So I'm finding it very hard to get used to using that. Yeah, my, my problem with it were, um, first it's just, it's just, it's tiny. So it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, the smaller that something is, the harder it is to kind of really be accurate with it. Yeah. And because it has so little travel, it's, it's very quick between doing absolutely nothing and going full max. <laughs> so I find it really, really difficult to kind of, find any kind of in-betweens there and just Mm -hmm. it was just so small and just it's just so awkward like i felt like when i was trying to use it the camera just kept like flying to the left or flying to the right or whatever you know as i was trying to adjust things and getting like the smaller adjustments you're kind of used to with other analog sticks just was really hard for me to get and i I don't know if it's one of the kind of things that i'd get better at it with time Mm -hmm. but that was absolutely the the part i was disappointed with most in the in the new systems because i mean like i tried playing monster hunter with that on-screen d-pad and i thought it was just horrible like i could i could not do anything with it and so having a kind of camera control for the system is something i would love to have but i don't think this was the right solution like it, it just it feels I, I feel like typically nintendo's better at really finding the right thing to do for hardware kind of stuff but this just really is not hitting the mark for me. Hmm. So did you try the smaller model or the larger model yeah. or both? The small, I believe, I believe I was in the smaller one. Okay. Well, yeah. The smaller I, I, one I might is, be wrong. Oh, the smaller one is much cuter <laughs> in terms of the, of course, the interchangeable face plates and the colored yes. face buttons. That That's really the appeal for me. <laughs> <laughs> But what I loved, I love the new 3D. I mean, in terms of like the the tracking. Yeah. Like, have you have you played with that very much? Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's totally, totally different than the old because the old ones were, you really had to hold the system still. Otherwise, it was so easy to lose, you know, the, the 3D effect and yeah. kind of get like this this unviewable screen. Um, I mean, you could go up and down a little bit, but like side to side, just instantly went away. Whereas in this one, they're using a camera to kind of track your your facial movements, to to know how it should handle the three D, and the the viewing angles are just so different, mm. and it makes it so much better. And it, and it it actually like really makes it so you can play games in three D, because you don't have to just sit there and just hold the thing still the entire time. I'm I'm looking forward to trying this myself because I actually don't believe it. <laughs> I know, I know. You know I, what I mean? Because like you keep yeah. reading all of these comments, and I'm like, I just, I will, I will be uh, very congratulatory toward Nintendo if that happens because I the the main reason I don't use 3D is that I just move the damn system too much that yep. I lose the 3D all the time. Like I'm playing Super Mario 3D Land and I get mad and then I you know or I'm nervous and it's moving anyway. I just can't. It never sticks. So, yep. No, I I know exactly what you're saying. But you that. you you will be you will be very surprised when you if you, if you use it. Yay! 
it's it's way better than it has any right to be. Good. And then so Anne, what do you think about the new shoulder buttons? Those I don't even think I can say anything about them because I didn't use them. <laughs> but they seem weird. I don't know why we need them. They they, they seem also like when I was trying them, I felt like they were in a place that was just kind of awkward to hit because yeah. it's so easy. It's so easy for you to then hit the the main shoulder button on, on that same side. Like you have to really kind of like bend your finger mm. to yeah, get to it. Yeah, and. I I don't know is is this for so that like we can get more ports of games, mm. you know that that maybe need those extra shoulder buttons or I don't know what they're for. Hmm. Yeah, they seem a bit useless at this point. <laughs> maybe that maybe Xenoblade Chronicles will utilize them, which that's kind of the big game, right? That they're touting for the new 3ds. Yeah. So what True. about that? They're so they're making a game. Only for the new 3DS because um, the new 3DS has a has a faster processor inside it, and so they basically said that it just they could not do this game on the old hardware. So are we going to start seeing a lot or even a decent handful of games that only work on the new one? Who knows? Probably not. Because <laughs> this, I mean, like you know, and since since you since you own one now. Like what do you, I mean? What do you just overall think of it? Because it's this really weird piece of machinery that's kind of like, does this exist just for two years until they can put out their next real mm-hmm. handheld? Yeah, you know, I, I can't help but compare it to the DSi. It really feels like something they're bringing out and they're saying you know oh there's going to be all this stuff for it and you're going to want to buy it because of the new features and everything and there were a couple of dsi enabled games but nobody ever played them and nobody bought the system just to play those but then looking back on it a lot of people like the dsi for you know the you know size and the feel of the system or whatever small kind of tweaked improvements it has but well, well, the 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 DSi also brought the ability to download games. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so I think that was one of its really big, you know, winning points. Well, and and in the same way, I think the, the improved 3D is honestly a big deal for the new 3DS, and that I mean, I, for me, the 3D on the old 3DS was just unusable. So if yeah. 3D is something you're into, then you know, that makes the new 3DS the one to buy. There's no reason to buy the old ones. And in terms of if I were to recommend people coming to the system brand new now, I would say get the new one. But I don't think that there's necessarily reasons for people to upgrade at this point in time. So, yeah, it could very well turn into this thing where, you know, the new system comes out in two years and people will just upgrade to that. But do you really think that the 4DS or what have you will be out in the next couple of I, years, I if if you want my cons- conspiracy theory on this, all <laughs> yes, um, yes, I I think two years is the amount of time Nintendo needs to have a new successor to the Wii U, and I think their next system will be some sort of hybrid between a home console and a portable machine. Mm. I hope so. So, so this would buy Nintendo two years of something to keep portable sales up until whatever this weird new 
duo machine is comes out. That would be my kind of conspiracy theory thing. Interesting. That I, that that I think explains why because it's you know, I mean, I I I was going to say like can can you replace the 3DS right now? You know, maybe not. But why 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 do they why why do they put a new processor in that is going to have games that you can't play on the old system? That's a really weird step to take. I mean with with the DSi, I think what it part of it, what it was was they added a camera. Right. And so it was games that required the camera. And so that kind of made sense because you know, at the at the point the DS came out, having a camera on it didn't really wasn't really the thing people were asking for. But by that point, you know, cell phone cameras and whatever had gotten big enough that that they understood it made made logical sense to add something like that to the system. You know, but why on this one put in a processor better enough to be able to have games of a caliber like Xenoblade Chronicles that the 3DS can't. Mm. It's just, it's weird because like I said, like this feels like, this feels like this should have been like the new system, but it's not. But yet it's too much of an improvement to just be a new 3DS revision. Well, so it's like just really, it's really confusing to me. I will say, and I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree with you as to what's happening, but you could argue that the Game Boy Color was kind of similar. I mean, you c- you could say it was a new system, or you could say it was just a colorized Game Boy that you know, it's kind of the same situation where mm-hmm. it was slightly more powerful. You couldn't play Game Boy Color games on a Game Boy. I mean, it's not the same, but I'm just saying. I don't know why. For some reason, it seems like like being a fan of Nintendo for a long time. It seems like this is also kind of just the thing they do, which is <laughs> sometimes, you know yeah. what I mean. They just make some yeah. odd choices sometimes. But yep. I also would not be surprised if they were doing what you suggested. But I also think it's funny how you know I kind of grumbled about they're not going to release many games for it, and I just for some reason, based on their history, I really think like there will be this small handful of games from Nintendo that mm-hmm. make use of the system, and that's it, regardless of what comes next. And it's too yeah. bad, because in a way, yeah. like even though I'm I'm going to buy a new 3DS just because I want to upgrade you know, aesthetically to a different system, and I don't really care if they bring out games for it, but it seems like there's all of these possibilities there for games that they could release or port or whatever, and you just know they're not going to for whatever reason. Yeah, it's it. They're as great as they are at making games. They, I do not trust them a lot of times with these kind of side projects. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's just been too many, too many examples of things they've done where, yeah, the game support just wasn't there. So, I don't know. Like, I'm really curious to see this, how this you know works out, yeah. and is it gonna you know is it is it gonna be a big enough thing that people do take it seriously you know is is is, because i I just i would hate to have this be their next big portable you know like i don't know that i want this system for the next like five years let's say i don't think that's gonna happen Mm. i hope not i i 
sorry, go ahead. No, great. No, oh, I was just going to say, I mean, the idea of even them coming out with a new 3DS, like, and the next version, I'm just, you know, maybe I'm... Uh, bought so many 3ds's <laughs> that I can't that I can't imagine upgrading to a whole new system. But like I don't I don't really feel like we need one yet. But I guess I'm kind of always in sort of anti moving on to the next generation. I yeah. like sticking around for quite a while. But it, even within the next two years, having the idea of having the successor to the Wii U and the 3ds seems you know nuts to me. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. but 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 think about it like. You have you have your portable machine, right? Mm-hmm. It's in your home. You put it in your little dock. You're playing those games on your television screen. Like, I mean, we were just talking about the PS TV. Yeah. Right? yeah. So one, you're saying one system that will do both of that. So like, be yep. like so, the PS Vita and the PS TV together. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because you know <laughs> I mean, right now I'm looking at my original 3DS, and it has this little dock thing it plugs into. And I'm just thinking on the back of this dock, you have a power cord, you have a HDMI cable, things like that. It's plugged into your TV. You use your controller to play your games in your t- television or whatever. And then when you're ready to leave, you just take the system out of the little cradle and you take it with you. And it's a portable system then. Now, obviously, there's a gigantic flaw in my plan. <laughs> and that is how do you handle multiple people in the same household playing it? Mm-hmm. Well, why can't I have not work that? Why can't there be controllers that. that that are used with the dock? Well, no, no. I mean, I mean, who gets to take the handheld? Oh, well, why why wouldn't it just be like it is now, where that multiple people would own their own uh, handhelds? So you, but okay. So you would have like, so I guess, I guess, I guess, okay. So I guess the way it would work is the the cradle itself would be the kind of brains of the console side. So maybe the, 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 the cradle that has, because like for, okay, for example, right. Let's say, let's say three of us are living in a house together and let's say we want to buy Mario Kart nine. Where, where do we put that game? Because if we put it on my 4DS, we can all play together when I'm home, and my and my and my 4DS is plugged into the cradle. Hmm. But once I take my 4DS away, I'm taking Mario Kart Nine with me. So, is there some sort of sharing thing? Like, for <laughs> example, could you could you have like, would the cradle be like your home cradle, and you can sync your games with that? So, if if you can do that, if you can sync all your purchases or all your user accounts, then I think that would work. And then so it doesn't really matter maybe whose system. I don't know. This, yeah. I, I, I'm not an engineer. I have not worked this out. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I just wonder if Nintendo is really going to keep going on having separate portables and consoles. Right. Well, okay, here, let me add one thought on this because – uh, I always think it's interesting to think about it from both sides because for me as a consumer, what I would like would be what you just said, a portable that I can put into a dock or something and have it play on the TV as well. And also I would like them to consolidate those lines because personally I'm someone who thinks, you know, I would much prefer if Nintendo just released 
you know, instead of having to release an Animal Crossing for 3DS and an Animal Crossing for Wii U and Super Mario mm-hmm. for 3DS and a Super Mario for 3D, I would like to see if they can put their creative energies toward one game. Like, maybe they'd release two yeah. Animal Crossings in a generation. I don't know. But it feels like they waste a lot of energy and development time, and etc., having to create two, you know, one game for each system. But then when I think about it from their side, I think... Well, maybe, like, if they consolidate everything, do they make a lot less money? Because now they're not selling two systems and two versions of each game. Or is it just that they could make so many more games that they would still... I, I'm just worried that they don't see it as a profitable No, I, 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 totally, I totally see what you're, what you're saying. I mean, because I'm thinking right now, like with Smash Brothers, for example, they've, they've had so many sales on the 3DS, they'll now have more on the Wii U and some of those sales no doubt will be people who own it on both systems. But at the same time, what, what you just, just were saying is a, is an interesting point because I do think Nintendo at this, at this point, um, they have a real problem getting games out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so if they only had one platform, you know what? We would maybe have a new Metroid. We would have a, a new Zelda already. We would have an Animal Crossing console version already. We yeah. would have, you know, a new WarioWare. We would have these kind of, like, you know, Mario sports games, more of those. We would have these things. I, I think I think that, that that's one of the concerns with the Wii U, right, is, is that they just don't have enough time to really make a lot of games for it. But... When you look at their recent efforts in the Wii U, it definitely feels like it's coming at the expense of the 3DS. Yeah. And they always do that yeah. recently. Like I, I remember the point when the DS basically had its support killed because they moved things over to the Wii. Yeah. And then once, as soon as the 3DS came out, the Wii games dropped off. And as soon as the Wii U came out, the bunch of 3DS games dropped off. So I... I think for the betterment of Nintendo, I think I would rather have them have one platform. Especially, too, because it's like it's so hard for them to sell a console, you yeah. know. Does it make sense for them to have another home console if it's only going to be their games? And if it's only going to be their games, why not just have one system where you can broaden your, you know, consumer base? Because someone like me, like, I love having their handhelds, but I don't really need their consoles usually. Yeah. But there are games I want to play on them. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think it just makes too much sense to me for them to have one system and try to recapture a bigger market with that one system and also make more games for it. That's what I want. Me too. Gosh darn it. Me too. <laughs> <That> sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> what I also want are more of Sega's... <laughs> Speaking of the 3DS, more of Sega's 3D Classics. And we are, well, we're not getting more. We're getting the ones we're missing, I, I, should, I should clarify. Because up until now, there have been four of Sega's 3D classics that just simply had not come out either, either in North America or Europe. And Sega just yesterday finally revealed that they are coming. They're going to be coming starting in early 2015, which I don't know what's taking so long because there's no translations or anything for these <laughs> things. But it's it's current Sega's terrible. Um, the four games we were missing that we are now getting are Afterburner 2, Fantasy Zone 2, Outrun, 
and Thunderblade. So that's awesome. I, I, I love Outrun. I want Outrun on the the three classics. Um, I don't know. I'll ask you guys if, if either one of you own any of them. I currently have Space Harrier and Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, all of these are done by this Japanese company called M2, which are kind of the masters in terms of bringing back old games and really, you know, putting a lot of polish and, and care and time and love into these these remakes. Um, the ones I have are, are awesome, and I hear all the rest are awesome. I need to pick them up at some point. These are like some of the best versions of these these older Sega games from both the arcade and the 16-bit era. And adding 3D to some of these really is cool and, and, and kind of gives them new life. Um, so do either one of you own any of these? Nope. No. <laughs> I uh, I own the Japanese Fantasy Zone, and I've been meaning to buy the second one, but I just haven't done oh. it. So Yes. And I love it. And um, a number of these games were put on a collection recently released in Japan. And one of the big deals... Do you know what the big deal about the uh, release was? Yes. What is <laughs> <it>? <laughs> um, they, it features two Master System 3D games. Well, what's the, what's the uh, Mark III? Whatever. Master System 3D uh, version of OutRun and Space Harrier, I think. That was not... I <laughs> yeah, I was oh. going to say, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> what are you thinking about? Uh, isn't that so, the physical version that has the Ken Sugimori art on it? That is yeah. right. Oh. You just wrote about this on your blog, Brian. <laughs> I know, but I mean, I okay, I like that, but I still, for me, it's the uh, the additional games is what I'm excited about. I like the box art, of course. No, no, the, the Trillians are exciting, but but so why is this a big deal to some people? Is Ken Sugimori <laughs> is is very very famous for his Pokemon art? I mean, like. You know, when you look at those kind of classic Pokemon characters and everything, you know, he is the artist for that stuff. So um, it was very, very kind of like strange seeing him doing the artwork for this release. But uh, it turns out that he's actually this super huge Sega fan. Oh. And he he adores like classic Sega stuff. He has like all these crazy Sega goods and, and collectibles and stuff. Huh. Um, so, yeah. So if, if you kind of look at the cover of the release, like the Space Harrier guy kind of looks a little bit i mean he looks very very familiar if you've ever seen you know any team rocket or 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 brock or any of the other kind of um pokemon characters that's so. it's funny because i was actually wondering how he got roped into it i didn't re- i didn't know yeah. the story behind it huh nope yeah he he's uh he has like i'm looking at some of the pictures of what he has he has he Custom did his uh, 3ds XL to look like a Dreamcast, oh. and he has the the, the Mega Drive like iPhone um, case. He has like custom Game Gear, custom Sega T-shirts, oh. a, a Sega bicycle. He has a Mega Drive at work. His his one of his luggage uh, suitcases is basically a, a big Dreamcast. <laughs> so he is this like super hardcore Sega fan. So. Oh. And I think there's one other news story we're going to talk about. And talking about Sega kind of goes into it. And Yep. Uh, Sega kind of 
teased this a while back, but they are releasing Valkyria Chronicles on the PC on the 11th of this month, and it will be $20, so anybody who has not played that yet should definitely pick it up, and I can imagine that maybe Sega is looking at this and... Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe this is wishful thinking, but they may be looking at how much this sells and considering, you know, whether it will be worthwhile to bring over the last game in that series or not, which has kind of been something fans have been clamoring for for quite a while now. Yes. So I've I've never I've never and this is shameful, but I've never played Valkyria Chronicles beyond the demo um, for the original game, but. I know this is a, a much beloved, you know, game, and Sega really has been stepping up. I mean, as as terrible as they're doing on the consoles currently, <laughs> and as terrible as they're doing on handhelds currently, uh, <clears throat> Fantasy Star Online too. Um, <laughs> they're they're really doing a better job on on PC. So this was both a very very shocking announcement to see, but also not the most shocking thing in the world. So yeah. Maybe shocking that it took them so long, but hey, whatever. And I'm curious too because I, I I think of like the PC as being this like hardcore, like strategy platform. There's just so many kind of strategy games and stuff on it. So I'm really curious to see how this is received. You know, like are there enough PC players who will be interested in this, or will it just be Sega fans kind of going after it? Mm. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I haven't actually played it myself either, so now I'll have to play it. But I have the PSC version, so I won't be getting the PC version. <laughs> <laughs> so we also had on this list to talk about uh, our holiday wish list, but right. I think we should save that for the next episode. That sounds like a fine idea. I... Since it'll be a, a closer to holiday times episode. That works for me. And and because we're already an hour twenty into this, but that won't give our fans enough time to buy us our, you know, wish list item. Is this for buying? For, no, 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 no. Then what you just do for that, Anne, is you make an Amazon wish list. I add the link to our show notes, <laughs> and people can just go buy us. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I added a few things to mine. I'm gonna go look and now that you mentioned, that, I'm gonna go see what I added to mine last night because I added a few things. Let's see, what did I add to my <laughs> wish list? I added, if it will come up here, I clicked on the wrong thing. Um, those are blue. Uh, so we're finally getting some of the uh, Studio Ghibli Blu-rays we've been missing for a while. Oh. It's like Totoro and Kiki we got recently. So I put those on. Those aren't really game stuff, though. Uh, let's see. Where's my game wish list? Game wish list. Recently, I added the uh, Final Fantasy X and X2. I just said 10, 10, 2, I guess I should say. For Vita, I don't have that. I have Lufia for Nintendo DS. I added that. Um, Henry Hasworth. I never picked that up, so I added that to my wish list. Um, did, did you? Did you play Mind Zero? No, no, I've been interested in that one, but I heard it wasn't so hot. So I had... yeah, I, I heard. I heard that too, but I'm still curious enough to want it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it looks interesting. I would play it. I have uh, Resonance of Fate on my wish list. I never did play that. Oh. But I keep seeing all these animated GIFs everywhere for it. 
Uh, Sweet Fuse. I never picked up the, oh, the retail version of Sweet get Fuse. Oh, Sweet Fuse. <laughs> I know. It's going to disappear soon, probably. So I need yeah. to either get it or have somebody buy it for me. So I have a wish list. And you know what? I don't expect anybody to buy anything <laughs> uh, for us off this wish list. Like, for example, I have the PS2 game Kuon on here uh, <laughs> for the low price of $299.99. Oh so if anybody really likes me, they can get me that. I don't <laughs> expect that at all. Um, but you know what? Make up your own wish lists and just give them to me and I'll put a link somewhere. So wait, you. like I didn't realize... Now I feel embarrassed. I didn't realize people could like look at your wish list. I thought it was just a private thing. <laughs> no, that's what it's for. Yeah. I mean, you can you can make it private. Well, I've always like... Uh, I should make sure that there's nothing uh, sketchy on mine, but... Um, I just use it because, like, you know, <laughs> I have fleeting moments of, like, oh, yes. I want uh, yeah. X, Y, or Z game, and then I know I'm going to forget that I want it, so I just yep. add yep. it to my wish list so that I won't, because I know I'm going to forget. Well, no, I have I have the the game wish list that I give to people, and then I have my personal wish list, which I do that with. Oh, okay. So I have I have my just-in-case list. Let's see, my just-in-case <laughs> list. Um, that's not, I don't know what. I don't know what any of this stuff is. Okay. Oh no, that's that's my wrong. That's, that's my just in case we have an earthquake list. <laughs> Never mind. Oh. Key track of games. Here we go. Um, yeah. So I have like Oculus Trip for some reason, uh, which I I already have. Like Ragnarok Tactics, like the Taiko no Tatsujin for DS. Huh. Met the Metroid Prime Trilogy on the Wii. So stuff that like I was thinking about at some point that I might want, but I didn't know for sure. So yeah, I, I have that kind of list too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I barely ever use my list except for when we hit the holidays and then every one of my family says, Ah, what's on your Amazon wish list? And I have to go in and clean it up and <laughs> you know, send it, dust it off and add a few new things and send it around to all the relatives. But I mean, that's what you should be doing, though, because of you being so far away physically from like, you know relatives or, or family or whatever. Um, it may, this makes it very easy for people to know what you actually yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Except for then, the cost of shipping things to Australia is so great that most people do not buy me physical items anymore. Well, but oh. if you're doing it, okay, if you're doing it on the Australian Amazon, is there even an Australian Amazon? There has to be. I don't it? think there is. I'm pretty sure there isn't. That's that's the huh. big. Are, are you problem. guys that much of a third, <laughs> third world country that you don't have? To <laughs> Well, <laughs> I think I'm. Yeah, we don't. Australia, I guess. But I guess there is. There must oh. be something. Some some equivalent. Is it like yeah, normal yeah. Amazon? Amazon.co.au. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'll have a look at it. It probably doesn't have everything, or is ridiculously priced. But at least if shipping's okay, then that will work out. Yep. Um. So what we're gonna do instead. So if 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 these two get me lists, I'll. Add them to the <laughs> I was just kidding. I don't want no, anybody no, to buy us stuff. You never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Uh, so instead, we're going to jump into cheerleading, which is when we talk about games we've been playing and games we recommend you play. And as always, Anne is first up. All right. Well, this is kind of an obscure slash odd pick for me, but I uh, just grabbed Banshee's Last Cry when it was on sale for Halloween. Axis brought it over for iOS and Android, and it was the lovely price of just $1. So I decided to 
pick it up on Friday, and it's um, the iOS version of the Japanese game Kamai Tachi no Yoru, which is a Chunsoft game, and it sort of pioneered the sound novel, visual novel genre. Uh, first came out in '94 mm. for the Famicom, Super Famicom, sorry, and has had numerous ports and spin offs, and it's quite popular. There was even a Vita game, which, as far as I know, was, isn't a port of the original, but a new story, so it's still going. Uh, tw- what, 20 years later now? That's pretty amazing. <laughs> and this is the first time it was available in English. So 20-year-old game gets an iOS port and finally we can all play it in English. And I'm really enjoying it. It's a, a mystery game. And it's very, very basic. It takes place in sort of a, like a ski lodge. Originally... In Hokkaido, but they fully localized the game, so they took the setting and I think they made it like British Columbia or something, <laughs> and they changed all the characters' names to like Western names, which I guess <laughs> might bother some people, but since hmm. I've never played the original, I think it works fine. I really don't think the setting has much of an impact on the narrative, except for that you're in a ski lodge in the middle of nowhere and you get snowed in. And oh no, people are getting brutally murdered and what are you going to do? You have to figure out who the murderer is and, um, you know, you read through text with a static image. They're all photographed images, which I think is really interesting. So they, the team actually went to a lodge in Hokkaido and took, Im- took pictures and used those as the backgrounds. And then you're just reading text and then every once in a while you'll have... Two, op- two or three options to choose from and that will take you down a different branch in the story. And so far I've put in a few hours. It's been really good since I was uh, traveling for the conference over the past few days so I just pick it up whenever I had a few moments. And I thought I was like on the right track and then I got a really brutal ending where I got murdered. So <laughs> I haven't actually <laughs> seen I haven't seen the full game, <laughs> but it's it's really good. I really enjoy it. So I think that anybody that likes a uh, visual novel should definitely check it out. Uh, I was a bit surprised that it is a little more brutal than I thought it was going to be. Like the, the descriptions of the murders are quite, you know, gory. Like one guy gets chopped literally to pieces. So it's not just like oh no, somebody's dead, and it's very, you know, kind of (laughs) melodramatic, but no real gore. There's actually some descriptive gore in it. So if that's not your thing, then maybe stay away from it. But uh, it's a bit dated in terms of uh, I'm stuck right now because I don't know what options to pick to get the correct ending, and it seems like no matter what I am do, I'm just getting bad endings all over the place, and even the, the only sort of modern thing that it does is it grays out the selections that you've already picked before, but if you... Oh. You don't know, like, what at what point what selection is impacting right. something. So, yeah, I just keep replaying and trying different things, and I've gotten all these different endings or you know bad ends what have you but i have not been able to find the correct ending so far so (laughs) i don't know if i'm gonna bring out a guide or what have you but (laughs) yeah i still think i think it's it's, sorry go ahead no 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 i was just gonna say it's back up to four dollars now and honestly i still think it's a great deal for four dollars it's a really interesting game i really love the music i forgot to mention that The, the sound in the music is just really really good um no, I I hadn't heard about this, and and like I, it's interesting because a lot of these really bizarre, really niche Japanese games 
are getting localized recently, mm. you know. Um, and part of it is due to the iPhone because just it's big enough of a market that they can try stuff like this. Because I also know they brought over um, – I haven't played it, but there's a, a version of like 999 where – it doesn't have the puzzles. Yeah, that that was also it's, a dollar for Halloween as well. Yeah, on the iOS shop. So yeah, I, that's that's int- I, I'm I'm downloading it right now. Oh so, yeah, I hope you enjoy. Let me know if you can get a good ending. <laughs> I hear that once you beat the game once, I was reading up on this. You beat the game, and there are actually like goofy side stories that are quite funny apparently so i'm really interested to see how they play with that and there is one option like there's a sort of a guy that's localized to be a texan i don't know if he's from osaka or what in the japanese version but he's got like a texas you know drawl and he's talking (laughs) about recruiting you for his company and you can be like, oh, no, I don't think so. Thanks for the offer. Or you can be really gung-ho about it and say, yeah, sure. So just for kicks, I can click the yeah, sure option. And then he's like, really? Are you sure? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then the game just ends and you move, you move to Texas to work <laughs> with this guy at his company. <laughs> so there are a lot of really funny things like that. So, and then, of course, the you know intense murder mystery story which i think i think maybe i'm dumb i feel like i i should have be able to figure it out who it is now that i've seen i've Mm -hmm. seen a lot of the game and i've seen a lot of different endings but yet i can't put two and two together (laughs) so Mm -hmm. but yeah i really like that kind of thing it can get a little bit frustrating when you're you know playing through and you can't get to the end but it is fun Mm -hmm. so there you go yeah awesome I, I will I will never play it probably, but I'm downloading it. <laughs> oh, it's not that long, I don't think. I mean, I've only put in a couple of hours here and there. Okay. So. Cool. Uh, Brian? So, uh, before I get to the game I'm actually going to talk about, I just want to spend one second, or, okay, <laughs> 60, saying uh, that... Because I'm fairly certain that in a month I will have fully burned through this game and I won't be able to talk about it anymore. Uh, But I am thoroughly enjoying Fantasy Life for the 3DS, which, you know, even though it's released by Nintendo, I think it's niche enough. Um, Anyway, I've already put 40 hours into it, so I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, I I just downloaded that. And the the problem I'm having right now is um, I just downloaded that. I just downloaded Persona Q, and I'm about ready to download <laughs> Harvest Moon. There you go. So I have way too much 3DSing to do. Yes. Um, I got far enough to make my character and decide I'm going to be a tailor. There you go. And that's as far as I'm in the game. And I, I will say one thing. the uh, For anyone who's playing it, at the beginning especially, the game is... I would say far too wordy. Um, they love to throw text at you. Anytime you are like completing a main story event, the characters just will not shut the hell up. Um, <laughs> but there are plenty, you know, it doesn't last as long as you think it does. And most of the game is, you know, you are free to do what you want and you don't have to listen to someone blab. So um, I will say, even though I hate that aspect of the game, even though it's well written, there's too much text. Um, I love everything else about it. So, anyway. I know a lot of people seem to be really, really liking this game. I, like, I didn't really know what I would... 
I thought I would like it. I don't know if I thought I would like it as much as I do. There's just something about the like the kind of like MMO like gameplay um and then the switching jobs and harvesting, you know, uh gems and chopping down trees and catching fish. I don't like I just at the moment I can't stop playing it. So <laughs> um hmm. but anyway, speaking of games that I can't stop playing, the real game I wanted to mention which I'm sad to say that at the moment most people probably aren't going to be able to play so that's kind of a bummer. Um but it's a Japanese 3DS eShop game by Game Freak, the people who made Pokemon, mm. etc. Um and it's called so- Soriti Horse or I don't know what the Soriti Ba I think. Um and as boring as it sounds it combines horse racing and solitaire. Um it basically in a like a 50/50 fashion but it's another one I have spent 40 hours on it so far <laughs> and uh there's just something really it's completely adorable you kind of take control of or you know you start out playing as either a girl or a boy uh you are basically uh um what do you call it? um I can't think of an a jockey um and through the story I think I can't remember what the story is you're killed because of some reason and god sends you back to earth um and you say that you you know you don't have great uh horse riding abilities but you're a great solitaire player or something like that uh, so he <laughs> combines the two and so basically you pick a horse you send him into races with the hopes of winning i think three of like the kind of golden crown races you know you have lower level races and mid level races and um your goal is to win three of the large races um and throughout each race you are asked to play like a very quick hand kind of of solitaire it's not exact solitaire it's a little bit more simplistic um and much more fast paced but um i don't know there's just something really addictive about it and so you you know you can go through a race in like 2 minutes 3 minutes and then you go on to the next one and if you lose too many times your horse is retired and you have to pick a new one and you start over and you try to get a better horse and cuz they have different attributes of speed or um um uh, endurance um and the horses are all adorable because you know they're like made by the pokemon people um so i don't know i'm i'm kind of talking about it so much because even though i can see how it's completely niche and you know how the company or nintendo might not think that it's worth releasing but it's such an i think it's just like a game that people would buy and really enjoy without even realizing it and i think it could be a big hit so i so i hope someone localizes it especially since this is another game with a ton of text and like for someone like me it t- it takes a while to to be able to play it without knowing what is being said to you and even now i'm sure i'm missing certain aspects so i will say if you have access to the japanese shop um you know you can get a hang on it enough to fully enjoy it just without maybe understanding everything hmm yeah I would recommend I mean to you too especially I I think Anne has it don't you? Yeah, I do. And I only played like 15 <laughs> minutes of it and just never got back to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was cute. I mean not that it's, it's not the same thing at all, but it reminds me of kind of like what like Sword and Poker. Oh. Like like the RP, you know like the the iOS game uh where you're it's like an RPG but you're you're playing through it by doing poker hands and stuff. Yeah. 
So it's like it's like all these like this, these really obscure little kind of combinations, you know, that just really work out. Yep. And and it's weird so. because I would never be I, I've never been interested in horse racing sims or anything like that. So <laughs> I I was very skeptical going into it. But after it's funny after a while actually you're like just as excited about the racing part as the as the solitaire part. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I I very much like it and I hope that more people will be able to play it eventually. Awesome. Um I'm I'm torn here cuz I don't know like do do our niche games have to be from Japan? No. no. I think we just tend towards that because that's what we all like. Yeah. But... Cuz I'm going to have I I have two really quick recommendations and um the first one is is people will argue this is not niche at all, but I think in some ways it's kind of going to be like an underappreciated or kind of a passed over game. But if you have an Xbox One, um, Sunset Overdrive just came out and it's amazing. Like everybody should play that game if you have an Xbox One. Like if you've been waiting for because it's it's kind of like it's it's a this sounds weird. It's a fun spin on the apocalypse. It's like how to have fun when the end of the world has come, you know. Um, and it's just a grateful game. And then I was going to also say that I went to Indiecade uh, last month, I think. It, or no, is it September at this point? Maybe no. Or October. One of the two. I went to Indiecade recently. And I played a lot of little indie games there. But there was this game called Mini Metro. And I have already this kind of obsession with trains. Like, not, not, not like I go take pictures of trains and not like I have train sets or anything. Like the crazy hardcore people do. But I always, when I'm back in Japan, I always just love riding trains because it's a nice experience. And I don't have to have a car. I don't have to drive places on my own. I can look on a map and figure out where to go, you know. And so what this is is it's it it looks basically like the all the visuals are kind of like what you would see on a subway map. And it starts you with three stations, uh, a square, a circle, and a triangle. And you can draw lines between the stations to make basically train lines. And when you first start out, you have you have three train lines you can make and then three train cars you can use. And so at first, you kind of just connect the three together and the little train drives between them, you know, and picks up passengers and stuff. And, and as you're playing, the screen is, is slowly zooming out. So as it zooms out more and more, new stations will start popping up on your map, which you then have to connect. And so it's kind of like a puzzle slash sim slash management game mm-hmm. where you have to figure out how to have all the stations covered by train lines and how to make sure that the, the busy stations are are uh, traveled to enough that, you know, the, the passengers get to their other stations. Because basically what happens is that you, a pa- passengers will appear and the passengers are little versions of those same symbols. So maybe at the circle station, also a passenger who's a triangle will show up. And so he has to be taken to the triangle station basically but you're not you're not controlling any of the trains as soon as you put the line down the train automatically goes through what it's going to do so you're kind of just managing the train lines and you can uh you can destroy a line and then redraw it you know you can you can reshape where train lines go um and it's just it's it's just i've played way too much of this game it's just like (laughs) it's one of those little little games like you were you were just saying 
that it's a simple little idea, but you just start playing it and you just get so caught up in it. And it's just so much fun. Um, you can you can play the game for free on their website. It's uh, dinopodoclub.com. Mm. You can play the game for free on the website, uh, or you can also get into the Steam Early Access. So the game's $7, and if you pay for it now, you get the kind of current version, but they're going to add a lot more cities to it when it comes out. Mm. And then, because I just have to, I wanted to real quick talk about Bayonetta 2. Which I, I, this was one of the three games that was really make me want to buy a Wii U. And I got a chance to just kind of borrow the work Wii U and play the game for free because I had to review it for, 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 you know, my job. But I think even after playing it, I still want to buy a Wii U (laughs) for this game. Mm. Especially because it gets part one and two. I, as a character, I love Bayonetta so much. Like she, and I know there's people out there who kind of have mixed opinions on whether or not she's a positive or negative female character in gaming, but I just adore her. I think she is such a great character. She's she's like to me, she's she's strong, she's sassy, she doesn't take crap from anybody. She never needs any man to be to, to be there to help her or, or to do anything. It's it's a game where kick ass women are fighting together with kick ass women, you know, um it's it's in just the gameplay is so fantastic. Like I I loved the first Bayonetta, but it's you know, after so many years of kind of not playing it, you kind of forget sometimes why you liked a certain game or like what made it special. And going back and playing, you know, that that kind of game in Bayonetta 2 I'm just reminded by just how wonderful um, Platinum Games, you know, their formula for for like this kind of stylish action stuff is because it just it feels so fun and so exciting to play. And, you know, whether you're in the first hour or the 10th or whatever, it's it's always still enjoyable and it's always still really cool to have these giant end bosses come down and see if you can you know, do it, you know, the battle stylishly, if you can, you know, do everything without getting hit and dodge the right times and then go into witch time and then pull off your combos. And so the characters are great. The, the humor is great. They really fixed up kind of some of the main complaints from the first game. I know like in the first one, they had some kind of flying shooting segments and they weren't the most exciting things in the world. And they kind of went on for too long, but they're, those kind of segments are, are, are back, but they're a, a lot more enjoyable now when they're not, you know, that kind of dragged out way past their their welcome. Um, I don't know. Have, have either one of you touched this yet? No, sadly. No. Uh, now, Brian, if, I mean, I mean, I have a terrible memory, but I, I feel like you hadn't played the first one, have you? I haven't. It's like, um, right. It's funny though the way you describe it. I think the only reason I've stayed away from the series at all, because um, I loved the aesthetics of it, I loved the character. Um, I just wasn't sure that the like, gameplay would be my kind of thing. I thought maybe it would be boring, but it sounds like it's, oh, it's not. Oh, so much. So. <laughs> no, like I, I don't. I mean, like if you ever. 
and I know people will argue this, but if you ever like Devil May Cry, if you like God of War, if you like, um, you know, uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, if you like any of those kind of like really high action, big kind of excitement type of games like those, I think far and away Bayonetta is the best one out of all of them. Mm. Um, this to me just really is where all those pieces come together perfectly. And it's, and, and what they did too also in this version is like the first game kind of had more sections of you running around and exploring and stuff. And they've taken a lot of that out for this one. So it is more kind of just constant action, constant battle, constant, you know, epic moments and things like that. Mm. So definitely, I mean, wow. If, if, yeah, if you're, if you're wondering anything about Bayonetta, I think it's not if the gameplay is good or not. Okay. I think it's it's. Do you like this character or not? You know. Do you agree with the the artistic vision behind it? Do you do you care about the story at all? Do you like the humor? I think those are where you have questions in terms of gameplay. This game is just so so good. Cool. And if you buy it, you get parts one and two together. Yeah. In one package, I think it's like even like cheaper than most games. I just i i need a, I need a Wii U now, and I don't, I, don't wanna, I don't want to need a Wii U, but I need a Wii U now. Yeah, well, guess what? This is appropriate time to say that I may be getting a Wii U before anyone else on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> I um, a friend was getting rid of his, and I said, "Sure, why not?" Oh. So I am acquiring a Wii U shortly <laughs> and uh, i made uh, I'm, I'm curious because what i was going to ask you was um is he getting a new wii u or is he just dropping the wii u i think it's an issue of not having money and needing to okay. offload some things and maybe not using the system as much as he would like is what i because i what i learned is you never want to put your Nintendo Network ID onto a Wii U if you're ever going to want to put onto another Wii U. Oh, uh, yes. I heard that's a bit of an issue. <laughs> because I did that for our work Wii U. And at this point, the only real way they give you to get it off is to transfer everything from the system to a new system, like if you buy a new system. Uh-oh. You can't. And I, I thought silly, silly me. I thought this was 2014, and I could just <laughs> log in and then just log back out. But yeah, so my account is stuck on my system. I don't know what to do now. But it sounds like he won't have that problem. Hmm. Yeah. Unless in the unless in the future he decides he wants a new Wii U, and if he does, he will he will have that. So problem. then, can I then do if he has an account linked to it? Can I delete it and put a new one on, or is it stuck? That if, is the one that is if, that system. If you delete his account on that Wii U, you delete his entire account from existence. <laughs> okay. So yes, you will want to talk to him before you do that, <laughs> because if he has. Like even like on the 3ds, it will delete that account too. Wow! Ugh. If he has any di- if he has any digital purchases, it will erase that account. From my understanding, it erases that account from existence. Nintendo's crazy. They need to figure that out. Stop putting out yeah. new 3ds's and get your <laughs> <laughs> digital yeah. services sorted. Uh, <laughs> uh. You know what we'll do? We'll 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 use 3D printers to print our own amiibos. <laughs> 
And those amiibos will have our accounts on them. And that's how we'll do it from the future. In the future. <laughs> hey, if that's what it takes. <laughs> yes. But Bayonetta 2, I loved it. It's not totally niche because I, I think it's people enough people know about it. But it's still, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to do. I don't know at all. But I, it's so good. It's like probably my game of the year at this point. Oh. So good. Well, just in terms of sales, it might be niche so I think it's worth talking about anyway. And like I said, this is the per- this is a perfect place to start if you've never touched it because, you know, for people who don't understand, you, you get both games in the same package. Um, they, they remade the original Bayonetta for, for Wii U, and you get both together. So you can play the first one and then the second one, and you get two games for the price of one, and they're two of the best games you're going to play, so that's <laughs> too good of a deal. <laughs> So, um, I think that's it. I mean, we, we do have ten minutes left to get to two hours. <laughs> we have nine minutes left to two hours. So we should have like nine more minutes of conversation <laughs> somehow. Mm. So, what do you? I mean, like, I, I know, I know you haven't played it, uh, but what do you think of? Like, do you even have any opinions on Bayonetta the character? Who are you talking to? Me? <laughs> Either one of you. Either one of you. <laughs> I will say, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to stereotype here, but I, I do know that Bayonetta is very popular among gay men. Yes. I will just say that. Well, so. yes, of course, because she's like sassy vixen lady, uh, and yes, we gays like that kind of thing. No, I shouldn't say everybody, but yeah, I mean, I think she, but it's, you know, I realize I'm coming, even if I'm gay, I'm coming from a male perspective, but. I personally think, like you said, she seems like an empowered character. Um, I I love her kind of uh, fabulousness, but um, you know I can't like discount people who think that think otherwise. But I'm personally interested in her. And do you have any opinion? <laughs> yeah, well, I did play the first game for PS3, which apparently is the poorer Ooh. version but i didn't have any problem Ooh. i didn't know yeah. going in and yeah. i just played it it was fine <laughs> mm, that that's yeah. the only system i had that would play it so i did play through it i thought i'm not very good at action games but i did stick through all the way to the end and i really enjoyed it um at times i thought you know some of the humor or what have you was a bit outrageous but i do really like bayonetta and it's kind of a point of contention i think with a lot of uh, women and particular women that talk about feminism and video games and that sort of thing because a lot of us don't agree <laughs> you know I know a lot of girls that don't you know women I'm sorry not girls like as in teenagers but um, uh, people Uh-oh. are going to come after me uh, well no and just on my uh, podcast Chick Pixel Plus I had um, a gal from Twitter Kinimi come on and she really does not like Bayonetta and I think that's perfectly mm. fine but yeah yeah. Um, sometimes I wonder if a lot of the people that have this opinion maybe haven't played the game, and I'm not saying that makes it less valid, but I think she really, you see, when you play the game and you see her in the cutscenes and you hear all everything she says and does, it just, to me, I can't see her as anything but extremely empowered and she's owning her sexuality, and I think that's fine, and I think that 
too often we equate being, you know, a sexual being with being, you know, slutty or bad. And, you know, you can be sexual mm, yep. and empowered and badass all at the same time. And so I think for that as- aspect, she's really cool. So I do really like Bayonetta. And I will be getting Bayonetta I, too for the Wii when I get <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I definitely don't want to discount anybody's opinions, you know, and just to be clear, but um, I did see an interesting thing on NeoGAP. They posted this kind of, um, some site did a, did a conversation with a handful of female, um, I don't know if they were all developers, but they were all connected with gaming in some way. And the question was, you know, like, <clears throat> what do you think of Bayonetta as a character and things like that? And what was interesting was um, all the women who didn't like Bayonetta hadn't played the game huh. and all of those who did like bayonetta had played the game hmm. so I, I i do i mean i think there's some games like dead or alive for example right if you if you look at dead or alive and you think you know what it's going to be it probably is that when you when you play it you know but i think that bayonetta like it's one of those games where it's really easy to to kind of write the character off before you play it because you think you know who she's going to be and what her purpose is going to be. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know. It's a really weird question. I mean, like, I wonder, I do wonder what a lot of, like, male players think about her, you know? Because is, is she sexy to a lot of guys? Because I know, it, I mean, it's easy to kind of say, okay, well, she gets half naked at times and she has these super long legs and she's always like swaying her hips and stuff but um she is kind of she i mean she's a badass which is some guys like but she does also kind of just act like she has no need whatsoever for men you know she gives them very little concern she gives them very little respect and you know even the guys are kind of like being super nice to her She's just kind of like, eh, whatever. You're just here. I don't really care about you, you know. Like, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. You know, I don't need you. And so I, I do wonder, like, what a lot of guys think about her in terms of that. And if they do find her to be this kind of sex symbol or whatever. Because I think that I feel like, you know, if you're making female characters for guys to find sexy, that's when you do the kind of dead or alive thing, you know. You have these all these girls in in very skimpy outfits and very similar body types who are acting just like totally helpless and worthless, you know. Like unless unless the guys are around, they 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 don't get much accomplished on their own. So like I I do I almost kind of wonder like is is she really this character that is made to be super appealing to guys? Or is that just the kind of expectation people have when they first see her and don't really know who she is? Mm. Yeah, and not that this should be taken as a reason to say, well, yes, she's very empowered. But I was really interested to find out that the woman, the person that designed Bayonetta is a woman. So that... That is cool. Also, because you don't get a lot of, especially in Japanese gaming, you don't maybe necessarily get so many women involved. So I know like Kamiya and all those. Kamiya wasn't involved in Bayonetta two though, right? Or I don't. No, 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 no. But I mean, but he he obviously he was he was a big part of right, right, and you know he he doesn't sort of. He's not shy about the fact that he he really likes Bayonetta as a sexy lady. But I yeah, it's interesting. Um, 
from what I heard, and you can talk about this too, that that um, Bayonetta two is very much about Bayonetta and Jean, right, and their friendship and them being badass together, rather than yeah. that, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, every like there there are male characters in in Bayonetta two, but I think of like what characters I think of as the true like badasses, and they're they're all women. Like, there's Bayonetta, there's there's John, there's uh, a character I can't mention, but when you meet her, you're like, oh my god, she is such a badass. <laughs> this, this, this scene is so awesome, and I can't believe we're doing this, you know? And, like, the, the, like I said, the male characters she she interacts with, she helps them, but she, she helps them because, kind of, that's just what's most convenient for her, or that's what will help her get what she's trying to do done, you know? And she's never, there's never once where she needs any male character to help her, uh, the the character the, the character in distress would be Jean and and you know she's being held by Bayonetta. There is no guy saving her. There is no guy doing much to help her. And even then, like she is still this totally empowered badass you know lady through much of the game. Like before and after, what happens to her happens. Um, so like yeah, it it it. I mean, it doesn't like it's 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 all about. I said, in a weird way, I almost feel like it's like anti-man, you know, <laughs> like anti-guy in, in, in some strange ways, because it really is like, dude, we don't need you. You know, we don't we don't need you. We don't even really care about you. You kind of just exist there to annoy us, you know, or get in our way. And uh, we'll just kick your ass and then keep going. That's I mean, that, that's kind of that's I mean, that's, I don't think it's directly 100 percent saying that, but that's what it does feel like a lot of the time. So. It's it's uh, I think I said again I think it's just one of those things where you kind of see the character and you just kind of just decide what you think she is and I don't think she's that, mm-hmm. but to be fair, you know there are times when like the camera angles are 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 a little crazy and stuff like that <laughs> and you know but but you know Anne you made a great point and that the, the fact that um, when female characters or when real females get too sexy that's kind of like it's very easy for them to fall into the oh she must be a slut kind of position Mm -hmm. you know like there's a there's only a certain amount that a woman can be sexy and will be okay with it past that point you know she's a bad person for for doing that kind of stuff and so i i think part of it might be that kind of mentality of oh well you know she's she's in too she's too embracing of her of her sexuality and things like that for the really deep discussion (laughs) part of our podcast (laughs) i guess but you know like like i said I, i i think everybody has their right to think what they want of her but i i would much rather have her than a majority of the female characters like I, I think about, you know. Um I mean as much as I love characters like Jill Valentine in Resident Evil, you know, how many times has she had to been saved by guys? How many times has she been kind of in these terrible positions? How many times, you know, she's been brainwashed and, and mind controlled and stuff and I don't know that she's really like this super like awesome, strong, powerful character, you know? But I look at Benedetta and like I've you you don't see her, 
you know, taken down to these low levels. And she's always just in charge and she's always in control and she's always the most powerful person in the room. And that's kind of a, a, a cool thing, I think. Mm, yeah, I have two quick things before we wrap up. Actually, I just sure. wanted to say I'm not trying to call out Kimimi, who is on my podcast, for having a different oh, opinion than me. Like, uh, I actually think if anybody enjoyed our conversation, they should go listen to episode 22 of Chick Pixel Plus because we spend pretty much the whole episode talking about female characters in video games. And so, yeah, I didn't want anybody to think that I'm knocking on her specifically. I just mentioned it because it happened recently. Uh, and also, it's funny you bring up Resident Evil because I got the Resident, 6, the Resident Evil 6 art book to review and I was looking through all the artwork in the game and it has, has like creator comments and things and it's talking about how uh, he talks about how he wants to make all these strong female characters and there definitely are a lot of female characters in Resident Evil 6 but if you look at the all of the promotional artwork, the women are always behind the men and they're always with men. Mm. There are never just women being cool on their own or in front of the men yep. or protecting the men or going into the scary situation before the guy. So there's definitely a different tone there. Like they may look mm. kind of on the surface to be badass and they're not being overtly sexualized like Bayonetta. But then if you look at the content of the game, it's actually not nearly as empowering for them. I think as Bayonetta is. And then and that's what I would say, you know, is is you really have to like you really have to play these games and, and see who these characters are and, and kind of really look at that and not make snap judgments because you're right, you know, I said if if you just looked at the Resident Evil, you know, ladies, you would say, Okay, they all look pretty pretty badass and cool and tough and stuff, but yeah, like I I'm thinking back because was it like uh, oh my god I'm, I'm spacing on her name sure sure surely Sherry 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 from RE6 like she, yeah she was a, a weird character and she was kind of like just you know following around the the big strong guy and and um, Leon's you know sidekick I mean she was a sidekick to Leon you know yeah. of course he was the big strong main character and stuff so. Uh, I think I mean like I mean the the, the new game's gonna be interesting because it's, it's it is two female characters and so I'm gonna be curious to see what they do with Claire and and Moira. Um, but and I I I think I think Bayonetta is like a really refreshing character to have come from Japan mm. because I think I think they especially still don't always know what to do with female characters in this regard, so. So yeah, there you go. You got super serious there at the end. But we got past two hours. I was going to say, we, we went past two-hour mark. Yep, that's all I wanted. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're going to, we're going to, we talked about this before the show uh, for you people who are listening. Uh, you people, that sounded very mean. I didn't mean to say, you, you wonderful <laughs> listeners, you. Uh, we talked about before the show and what we're going to try to do is, is we're going to try to do not only get back on the one the month once a month schedule but also have it a set time so that you kind of have a better idea of when exactly a new nichius podcast ever will be coming out so we're gonna try that we'll see you know we are going into the holidays and and schedules might get mixed up but but hopefully it's going to work out and as always you know if you need 
back episodes of this show or any other shows we do, you can just go to radio.morningproject.com. Um, you can look in our show notes and get all the information like email address. We'll have to check our email and see you next time if we have emails to read on the show. If you have any emails, especially if you want to bitch at us for talking about Bayonetta, <laughs> like either if you agree or disagree, um, let us know. If you are Anne's friend who now feels offended, you can you can email us in and, and let us know. Um, all of our Twitter handles are in there, so please go on Twitter and follow us and keep up with our many and uh, vast amount of non-Nitius podcast ever goings on on a daily basis. Yes. And uh, bef- anything else you guys have before we wrap it up? Nope. Oh, well, it's... NIS November. So we're celebrating oh. Nisa Games, Nipponishi software. So if you want to use the hashtag NIS November and play a Nipponishi game, you can join in. <laughs> now, have, have they have they acknowledged you at all? No. I, I was going to send them an email. Oh. Uh, they're usually pretty friendly, but no. So far, I haven't really gotten any. I did a, an Atlas April, and Atlas didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> So Aww. yeah, I hope I hope Senpai will notice me <laughs> this month. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was something so funny about that. Oh, it was used somewhere. Oh, now you're gonna get me crazy <sighs> because the, the whole I hope Senpai notices me. Oh, it was used somewhere <laughs> that was like so funny to me. Um, I don't know. Oh, but you know, I and do you know this this Japanese TV show where they like they interview gaijin at the airport <laughs> no i don't know it and it's um it's the it's the comedic duo banana man mm. they're like the host of the yeah. show so i i got interviewed oh at the airport really when I was coming home. <laughs> yes so you're on tv and i have i haven't been on tv yet and I, so i don't know if i got screwed or not but um yeah i was just like and it's it's it, it was the worst too because you know you're you're when you're not that i dress Slovenly, you know, when I'm <laughs> when I'm going to airports and getting on airplanes, I don't at all. I'm not one of those people that like comes in pajamas or anything. <laughs> but I still feel like I'm not, you know, like my hair isn't 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 great, or I don't feel like like I'm kind of wearing a basic kind of t-shirt, you know, whatever. Um, and so I was I was going to the airport, yeah, and I was looking for the the post office, and this people with camera like come over and like oh can we talk to you for a few minutes and i'm like uh sure yeah so they just like interviewed me for like 15 minutes and at the end i was finally like wait what is this what is this because <laughs> i thought they would like worked at the airport and they were just doing some like you know oh hey what do you think of the airport and and you know are you happy with our facilities kind of stuff but we we're talking like every all these like like just weird things in life and, and what i was doing in japan and tgs and oh my god i didn't tell you the big story okay i have to tell you this before we go <laughs> So, I I typically when I go to Tokyo Game Show, this this is the best. I I fly in through Tokyo, and Tokyo hosting Tokyo Game Show every year. Their airport is very used to foreigners flying in for Tokyo Game Show. So when you go through immigration, you say, "I'm here for Tokyo Game Show." They're like, "Great, stamp your passport, let you through." This time, because, as I said at the beginning, see, this, is, this is like a Quentin Tarantino coming back around thing here. Uh, I said at the beginning, I went to the uh, wedding, so I went through Osaka. And so I landed in Osaka. 
And I'm like, I know this airport. This is like my second hometown. I'm no problem at all. Go to immigration. Going through. And, and I had, and this, this was dumb of me. Never, the people, for anybody who hasn't really done much traveling, here's the thing. Just lie, okay? <laughs> Telling the truth on everything is going to just get you more problems and more trouble. Don't, don't, don't tell the truth. Because I, I said, well, I am coming over here for personal reasons, but also business. So I'll mark both boxes. You don't, don't. Oh, do no. Just, just mark one that asks you what you're doing here. You're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm coming over to, to see friends or whatever. That's all you have to do. Don't, and like, when you, when you come back through immigration, they always say, like, okay, what did you buy? And write down all the prices and everything. Never do that. Never. Just just fly. Okay. <laughs> so I marked down both. So he, he asks me, he says, what are you here for? And I say, well, I'm here in Osaka to go to my friend's wedding. And then I'm going to Tokyo for Tokyo Game Show. So when I say this in Japanese, it's Tokyo Game Show. Game Show, right? And the guy kind of looks at me and he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, what, you know, like, this is all Japanese. Like, like what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm here for Tokyo Game Show. And he's like, Tokyo Game Show. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a game show and it's in Tokyo and I'm going there for business. <laughs> and he's giving me like, just, he's like, he's really just kind of giving me this weird look now. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I can appreciate the fact that, um, you know, I'm in Osaka, so they don't, they don't instantly recognize Tokyo Game Show, but I don't understand why he's having this just such hang up on what I'm, I'm doing. And he, and he's like, so do you, do you like go there often? And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I go down there every year for, and he's like, you go there for work? And I'm like, yeah, I go, I go there for, for work and I do work stuff there. Um, and it's become this big deal. And he's like, okay, I need to call somebody over. So he calls somebody over and the guy comes over and he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry for this, but can you explain me what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm in Osaka. I'm going to this wedding. And then next week I'm going to Tokyo game show. And he gets the same <laughs> kind of nervous misunderstanding, uh, just concerned look on his face. And I'm like, what is going on here? And and so he talks to me for a minute, and I'm like, I explain, I'm going to Tokyo for Tokyo Game Show. And I'm like, it's you know game game show. And and he's like, mm, we're going to need to talk to you. And so he pulls me out of line, and we're walking to his office. And so my thought, and this makes no sense because it doesn't make sense in Japanese. But I'm like, maybe he thinks when I'm saying game show, I mean like a game show, like a TV <laughs> game show, right? Which again, that's not what they would call it. So it's okay, that's not it. So I'm like, I don't understand. And they take me in this little room, and the guy's talking to me, and I'm trying to explain, you know, like I go there and I play like video games, and he's he's just like baffled by what I'm saying to him. And finally, this 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 lady comes in and she's speaking to me in English, you know, and I explained to her, and she starts laughing. And then so she explains to the guy, the older guy I was talking to, and he starts laughing. And I'm like, okay, what is going on here? And so what I found out was the the word keimusho, with a, starting with a K, keimusho, in Japanese means prison. 
So when I was saying Tokyo Game Show, they were hearing Tokyo Game Show. So basically, they heard me saying I was coming here to go to Tokyo Trip. <laughs> so it was like, like I was like, I was kind of freaking out at this point, like before she caught on to what was going on, because I'm like, I've never had this happen. I have no idea why they're 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 bothered by the fact I'm going to this gaming <laughs> event. You know, like I don't get this. And then I finally, you know, she explained it to me. I was like, "Oh, okay. So, so I have to be very careful now that I know that if I ever go through Osaka or anywhere else, it's not Tokyo again. That your pronunciation. So, if anybody ever goes to Tokyo <laughs> Game Show, be very careful in your pronunciation or write it out for them because the word Game Show means prison, and it sounds very similar to Game Show, <laughs> and they will not want you to come into their country." If they do not understand why you're doing that. So that was a, a very strange and, and af- afterwards it was a fun point of confusion. But as I said, I was, I was kind of panicking for a minute. Like, oh my God, they are not going to let me into this country and I don't know what I'm going to do now. Yeah. But <laughs> so that's my big, that's my big immigration story. <laughs> uh, but until I get stuck in Osaka immigration once again, or until we do the podcast, everyone comes first. For my uh, compatriots Anne and Brian, I am Shidoshi, and this has been the nichiest podcast ever. That's it. Yay.